Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. And so uh, you won't be hearing me speak today. Um, we have a friend of mine, Jay Forseth, is going to come and speak to us. And if you um, are wondering if this guy has credentials, um, we took him out bow fishing last night and he was the only one that caught a fish or killed a fish, I should say. And so I was just like, how'd that happen? He said, prayer works. And so I started praying, didn't happen. Uh, so God definitely likes him better. Not just joking. But uh, hey, um, I'll have Jay Forsyth come. Just to, just, uh, just to tell you guys, he is our conference superintendent. And so when you hear us talking about our denomination and all that sort of stuff, uh, Jay is kind of the guy that is ahead of our conference. And he'll tell you more about that. But uh, this is his 28th church this year alone coming to um, all around the areas. And so uh, yeah, just give him a warm welcome. Thanks. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I bring you greetings from your sister churches throughout our four-state region. 8,700 worshipers gathering this morning. That's right, you have a sister, a bunch of them. And that is also right, same sorry sport code at 28 different churches so far. So I am asking earnestly for your prayers. Our pastor who replaced me in Columbus, Montana... This very hour is with his wife in the neonatal intensive care unit. They are losing their nine-month pregnant daughter. And uh, it's a painful time for my former church. So please lift up this pastor and his wife in your prayers. I have one simple question for you. I've been asking this question all throughout our conference. It's an important one. And it's the title of our message today. It's simply, Why Church? If I were to ask you, why did you come to church today? What would your answer be? Some of you would say, because they made me. Or my parents said I had to. Or my spouse said I had to. Or others of you came for a variety of reasons. Why does this church even exist well, I can tell you it's not a closed club, that this church has many purposes of why you are meeting on this morning, and there are churches throughout the world doing the exact same thing. I remember the day that I was hunting giant Canadian geese in North Dakota with the Mitleider family and all the workers on the Mitleider farm. We were having a great time, but the whole time we were hunting geese that morning, my phone was buzzing in my back pocket. And I knew something was going on because it just kept ringing over and over and over again. And so out there in the field, I, I did what I shouldn't have done. I answered my phone. And on the other end of my phone was a family way back in Columbus at my home church. And they said, Pastor Jay, we need you to come home right now. And I said, I, I'm on vacation and they said, but you don't understand. The worst of situations has happened. And they went on to explain the situation. And I said to them, I'm coming right now. And so I blazed home from North Dakota all the way back to Columbus and 
raised up the church, and the church came and supported this family and surrounded them with love and encouragement. It was awesome to see the church take action in actually being the church. And God did a miracle that week, spared a gentleman's life who had taken in some transients, and the transients in the middle of the night beat him up, lit him on fire, and tried to burn the house down. And God spared this man's life and did miracles, and the church was just ablaze with the glory of what God had done. And I remember saying to this family that this whole thing had occurred with, well, we'll see you in church on Sunday. And immediately the mother went, we're not going to church Sunday. We're going Christmas shopping. And I thought, are you kidding me? God is doing miracles around you, and on the Lord's Day, you can't even go thank Him and, and be with the people who have surrounded you all week, and you're going to go Christmas shopping. Isn't that ironic that you're going to miss church to go Christmas shopping? Celebrate Jesus' birthday by missing the Lord's Day in His house. And I, literally, I wanted to jump into the Yellowstone River. And I thought, wow, what are we doing here in churches across the world? Why church? Again, I ask you, why did you come to church today? It's a good question. What are the purposes of this church that God has planted here? And I'll put a slide, the slide is up here. This is a church near me in Columbus, Montana. If anybody can tell me where this church is, I'll give you all the cash in my wallet. Okay? It is Nye Community Church, and I travel all over the world, and I don't carry a nickel with me all the time, so you got nothing. <laughs> Why did God put this church in the middle of Nye, Montana, with the scenic mountains all around? What are the purposes of church? As I've asked that question across four states, one lady in Big Timber said, well, I go to church because when I go to church, God gets bigger and my problems get smaller. I thought, that's good. A person in Langdon, North Dakota, said they go to church because the church is a hospital for the sick. And I thought, that's a good reason to go to church. No perfect people need to go to church. And if you went to church and you were perfect, you'd ruin the place. Another person said, I go to church on Sundays because church is a house of prayer. I thought, yeah, that's true too. I got to meet with a group of people this morning in a back room of your church who are earnestly praying and have done so for a long, long time. That's why church. A guy named Rick Warren says there's actually five purposes for your church. Is your church doing these five things? Worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, and evangelism. Worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, and evangelism. Five purposes of the church. Actually, evangelism is often the most forgotten purpose of the church. Even though we're the evangelical church, we forget about evangelism.
the embattled pastor of a large church in Chicago said that the purpose of the church was that the church was the hope of the world. And I kind of bristled when I heard that because I thought, no, Jesus is the hope of the world. He said, I agree with that totally. But he said, where else in the world and who else in the world is proclaiming the gospel on a weekly basis? And who else in the world but the church, when times are tough, comes rushing in? When everybody else is rushing away, the church is rushing in with the hope of Jesus Christ. And I thought, that's pretty good. A gal in Helena, Montana, said, all I know is a church is not for my preferences. And I thought, ooh, my kind of music, my kind of preaching, length of the sermon, color of the carpet, kind of pews that we sit in, the parking lot. What will they do for my kids? What can they do for me? It's not the reason for the church. The average U.S. attender, average U.S. attender, now attends church 1.8 times per month. When they dug into that figure and couldn't figure out 1.8 times a month, what does that mean? They said when they interviewed those people, they said, but we feel like we're always there. Even though they're there less than half a time. If Seth was going to do a slam dunk sermon series four weeks long, the average attender would hear less than half of that sermon series. Well, why? Well, we still feel like we're always there, the people say, when nothing else is happening. Isn't that interesting? When nothing else is happening, we go to church. That's scary to hear about. There are some common reasons why people miss church. Perhaps you've heard some of these. A group of five of us in Columbus, a town of about 2,000 people, knocked on every door in our community. It took us 21 hours to knock on every door. In one hand, we had a piece of paper that said one thing. In another hand, we had a piece of paper that said another thing. We just simply said, do you have a home church? If they said yes, we handed them the paper in this hand that said... Come to the community, all churches are gathering Easter sunrise service. Great, we handed them that piece of paper. I can tell you, though, uh, and I don't mean to be mean about this, but if everybody who said they were Lutheran and Catholic actually went to the Lutheran and Catholic churches in Columbus, Montana, they would have been the largest churches in town. In the other hand, we had another piece of paper. If they did not identify a church, because we didn't want to steal sheep from other churches. If they did not identify a church home, we handed them an invitation to our church and then asked them, what is stopping you from coming to church this coming Sunday? We heard a lot of things. We heard things like, it's my only day to sleep in. Okay, thanks for being honest. Or they say, it's my one day for me. I thought, okay, now we're getting to the heart of it. It's all about you. There were a lot of other reasons they gave. Sports. I don't know. No one's ever invited me. That was interesting. 80% of the people will go to a church if someone they know will invite them. Who have you invited recently to church? Who have you invited in the last year to church? 
Why have you not invited anybody to your church? God has placed you in your sphere of influence, not so you can make money, not so that you can have a house in that neighborhood. He's placed you in that sphere because of the people that he's placed around you. You're to be a lighthouse to those people for Jesus Christ. Invite them to God's house. Talk to them about Jesus. One guy said, well, that's because all churches, I'm not going to church because all churches are full of hypocrites. And he's right. Again, I like to tell him that church is a hospital for the sick. I don't know what you expect of church people. They don't think they're perfect. They're full of hypocrites. You're right. Guilty as charged. Another person said, all the church wants is my money. I thought, ooh, if you only knew what God really wants, it's way more than your money. Your money's only a symptom of it. He wants your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He wants your everything. One guy said, I simply don't need to go to church. I thought, why? Well, you don't have to go to church to get to heaven, do you? And I said, you're right. Going to church is not a salvation issue. You're saved by grace through faith. But something happens in church that happens nowhere else in everybody else's week. Where else can you bear one another burden like you do in church on Sunday morning? Where else can you fellowship? Where else do you commune with the body and blood of Jesus Christ? Where else do you have the breaking of the spiritual bread, his word, the Bible? Every week you do things in this hour and a half that you don't do the rest of the week. There are scriptures that encourage church attendance. Let's put the next slide up there. Exodus 28 is, of course, part of the Ten Commandments. One of the Ten Commandments says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Why church? Because we're remembering the Sabbath day. We're keeping it holy. It's like no other day in our week. We do those things on Sunday that only fill us up. We don't do those things on our Sabbath that break us down. We want to be refreshed, renewed. The Sabbath is that day where our souls can catch up to the rest of our body. We give our bodies rest and our souls get rest as well. But I can tell you a Sabbath without church is a pseudo-Sabbath. Pseudo-Sabbath, false Sabbath. Because God's design were that the people would come together and, and break the bread and hear his word and, and fill each other up and support one another. And all the one another's in the Bible occur on Sunday morning. Matthew 18.20 says, For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them, or in the midst of them. We're two or three. Why church? Well, I think we were just told the minimum size that a church is allowed to be. How many? Two or three. You can have church with two or three. That kind of goes in the face of the person who says, my church is out in the great outdoors by myself. Actually, that's not church. Now, I felt the closest to God when being on the south side of a northbound bird dog. Very close to God. But it's not church. 
I can be led astray when by myself. Two or three gather in my name. There I am in the midst of them. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That sounds like a Montana verse to me. Consider how we can spur each other on. I got cowboy ranchers for the last 15 years in my church in Columbus. I get the spur picture. We're supposed to spur one another on. How? Towards love and good deeds. Not giving up the habit of meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. I understand that going way back to the time of Hebrews, church attendance was even a problem back then. People would isolate themselves, which is Satan's trick to pick you off. We call it the Buffalo Syndrome. If Satan can isolate you, stop you from fellowshipping and networking and being with one another, if he can separate you from the herd, you're like the only buffalo that gets shot in the herd. I know guys who buffalo hunt out of Yellowstone National Park, not far from where I live. When they go buffalo hunting, they never shoot into the herd. They wait for one just to kind of get away on its own. And that's the one they pick off. Don't grow weary of the habit of meeting together, but encourage one another and do so all the more as you see the day of Christ approaching. Jesus is coming back. It's getting closer. I can promise you it's one day closer today than it was yesterday. The closer it is to him coming back, we're to be meeting together. You can do that in Bible studies throughout the week, home groups, prayer groups. You can call up a friend and meet together. You can come to church on Sunday morning. You could have a mops group, a mothers of preschoolers. There's hundreds of different ways to meet together with fellow believers. I look at the Olferts, and they're the real deal. When they were in my church in Columbus, before they moved to Glasgow, they were exactly the same there that they are right here. They were the ones who were reaching out and looking around them for people who were lost and apart from Christ, always praying and serving others. And would you thank the Olferts for this garage sale and everything else that occurred yesterday. I appreciate what they did. The Greek Bible word used for the word church. When the word church appeared in the Greek in the Bible, it typically was this word. It's called ekklesia. E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A. Ekklesia. That was the word for church. Well, what did that word mean? That word did not mean bricks and mortar. So if they were to say we're going to church, they wouldn't have meant we're going to a building. Ecclesia is people. That's what church is. It's people. Specifically, God's called out people for his purposes. The church is for his purposes put together of a bunch of imperfect people who are hypocrites, who have been called out from their old life, separated from what they were, now connected to what they are, their new creations in Jesus Christ, and they have a mission in the community that God has placed them in. You're the church. So go be the church. In fact, the next 
colorful slide that we have up there. That's the church. You don't get to stay in this building. You go out into your workplaces, into your neighborhoods, ministering to your family. You're praying for the lost. You, you are reaching out because the church doesn't get to stay in the building. The church has to be the church. When's the last time you were the church? I'll tell you a most humbling story. And I hate telling this story. My wife and I were at a pastor's retreat when our phone rang again. And it was the police. And they said, you get home right now. We've got your son. So we raced home. Our 18-year-old son was not in the house anymore. He had been arrested in Columbus for hosting the party of all parties in our home when we were away. Marijuana, LSD, alcohol, numerous things in our home when we were gone. And he had switched his identity from Jesus Christ to the identity of being popular. And he traded his eternal identity for coping with drugs in Columbus, Montana. Never in my wildest nightmares did I think LSD would be in my home. The only thing that sustained my wife and I when my son had been arrested three more times, been to, in front of the judge six times, been incarcerated three times, the only thing, the only thing that sustained us was a church being the church. Now, some people in the church shot us in the head. How could a pastor's kid do something like that? They shot us in the head, left, and never came back. Because the church is pretty good at shooting its wounded sometimes. But most people responded with unbelievable grace. And at times when we could not stand because of the weariness of our souls, the church acted like the church and lifted us up in Jesus' name. I'd like to tell you that my son returned to Jesus Christ. Today, I do not know where my son is. I don't know if he's lying dead in a ditch somewhere. It came out that he had been having an affair with a 34-year-old school teacher in our community for a long time. She was married and had two kids. And the situation just gets worse and worse and worse. But the church and the grace of God has been so evident in our lives. Churches don't look inward. Churches look outward. And when you see a need, you try and meet it. You find a hurt, and you try and heal it in Jesus' name. God's not as interested in your comfort as you think he is. He has a plan and a purpose for his called out people. 
Scripture in Acts 2.42 says those in the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Why church? Apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. Ephesians 1.22-23, they are the famous verses that say the church is the bride of Christ. You, church, you people, are the bride of Christ. You'll be presented to Jesus someday as his spotless, blameless bride. That is an awesome view of our church. James 1.27 says the purpose of the church is to look out after the widows and the orphans. When's the last time you saw a need of a widow and did your best to help meet it? Or a single parent? Did you know that studies prove that the only thing that fills in the gap for a single parent, the only thing that is successful in America today is not the government, it's not social programs. The only thing successful for a single parent today is a church acting as the church who helps shoulder the burden and fill in the gap. Ephesians 5, 19-20 says one of the purposes of the church is singing. Singing. Worship. And if your church is like any other church that I've been in across America... I know you probably have a little bit of the worship wars going on. What type of songs are we going to sing in this church? Well, this scripture says, sing them all, folks. Sing all types of spiritual songs, hymns, choruses, all from the Spirit in the name of Jesus. What type of songs should you sing in this church? I'll tell you what type of songs. Blended. After much prayer according to the gifts of your leaders. And if you don't like the song that you're on currently, why don't you focus on the words instead of on your pain of not liking that song? Focus on the words of what is being sung and don't let the enemy take you off the course and purpose of your church. Because worship is dividing more churches in America than we realize today. Oh yeah, and then the scripture says in church, give thanks. Give thanks, even if you don't like the song. Give thanks. Let's play this short video now about church. Some pews, a piano, and stained glass? Or is it something more? 2,000 years ago, the church was born. It wasn't made up of the famous, the rich, or the powerful. It was made up of everyday people who passionately believed in the message of Jesus. It was the beginning of a revolution of love and freedom change the world forever. In 369 AD, the church built the first hospital as a place to care for those who cannot care for themselves. Today, the church is the largest single provider of healthcare in history. The church was the first to stand up for the rights of children, creating the first and largest orphanage system in the world. 100 out of the first 110 universities in America were founded as Christian institutions. Places like Harvard, Dartmouth, Yale, and Princeton. Much of the world's greatest art, architecture, literature, and music has been shaped by the church. But the impact of the church isn't just ancient history. 
Today, the church is stronger than ever and continues to impact every corner of the world. Over 300,000 churches in America and almost 5 million churches around the world stand ready to be instruments of change, to do what governments could never do. Every day, the church brings food and fresh water to millions of people across the world. It has a renewed passion to help widows and orphans and fights to free slaves in every part of the world. It stands ready as a first responder on the scene to provide relief for victims of disaster. The ripple of Jesus' impact can be clearly seen and felt in the church today. And it's made up of people like me and you. Today, you didn't just come to a building. You came to a revolution 2,000 years in the making. The world is facing as much trouble as ever. But we are not afraid. We were created for such a time as this. We will continue to do what we've always done. Proclaim the message of Jesus to help a world that needs him so desperately. Welcome. 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 Welcome to church. If you like that video, let me hear from you. I have opinions of why people are missing out on going to church. But an even larger opinion why people are missing out is being the bride of Christ. My first opinion is that comfortableness is getting in the way. We now have salad bar Christianity all across our country where people church shop and look for those churches that will do only something for themselves. They're interested in their comfortableness instead of interested in what Jesus wants to do to the lost and dying world around them. I also think that affluence is getting in the way of the American church. I'm getting my doctorate degree now. It's a global degree. I don't spend any time in America for my degree. I go through different places throughout the world and witness the church. And in most of the world, the church does not look like it looks here in America. In fact, in the places where people are the poorest, where they don't have buildings, where they don't have transportation, where family members are dying of AIDS, when there is such a high desperate need you can't keep those people out of church. Nothing could stand in the way of them going to church. They desperately need to be together with other believers, as if it was air that they breathed. But because we have things so good, and believe me, we do have things so good, we find other things that distract us and keep us away from God's house. How must we respond to people attending church less? I'm not saying we should place guilt upon the people around us. But we do need to place high priority on the relationships that God has given us. On those people who he's asking us to be the bridge to for his kingdom. Place more emphasis on relationships. Like us going bow hunting for carp last night. That I will never forget that time with you, my brother, and everybody else. <laughs> That's church. We had church last night at Fort Peck. Phenomenal. We also must place church as a priority. A priority. Let me show you this picture, and I'll talk to you about priorities just a little bit. Okay, this is 
last year's Buffalo Bill football game in the NFL. It's called Snowgeddon. How in the world could we get that many people to place that high of a priority to be at a football game that has no eternal value during the midst of a storm that snowed 18 inches in the course of the football game. But yet, we don't place church as a priority on a weekly basis. Our priorities, I'm saying, are out of whack and they need to be realigned to those things that have eternal value. We also must respond by every member in this church, every attender being a minister of where God has placed you. Every member a minister. And we just continue to proclaim Jesus Christ is who he says he is. I'll invite the worship team forward at this time. And for just a moment, I would ask that you all would bow your heads and respond between you and God to anything that was shared this morning. Nobody looking around. This is a time between you and God. Just talk to him right where you're at right now. And as everybody is talking to God right where they're at, I want to give a chance for anyone who does not know Jesus to become a Christian today. Nobody's looking around. All eyes are closed. But I'm wondering if anybody wants to put their faith in Jesus. God's been dealing with you. He's been obviously drawing you unto himself. Nothing else in life is making sense except for Jesus Christ. Is there anybody here today who would like to become a Christian? If you'd like to become a Christian today, all I would ask is that you would simply just look up at me and get my attention. I'm not going to point you out in front of other people, but look up at me, perhaps raise your hand if you want to become a Christian today. Thank you and thank you. Is there anybody else who'd like to become a Christian today? I would ask that everybody in the room would pray this prayer with me, along with these two. Dear Jesus, pray out loud, dear Jesus, I need you. Today again, I am putting my faith in you. Help me, Jesus. Please forgive me of my sins. And I'm giving you control of my life. I'm going to follow you 
and I believe in you, Jesus. So meet me. Help me. Save me. And all God's people said,
notice there's one blank at the very top of your bulletin that we didn't answer for you. And it's, why did you come to church today? I think for me today, to have the right perspective on what's truly going on around me. That's for me today. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for your presence. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace and your mercy and your truth. And Lord, would we people come gather around near you and know that you take care of us and that you have every need figured out. And would we lean into the relationships around us? Would we realize that you are calling each and every one of us to be your ministers to a world who needs the truth of who you are? And so would we share your light so they don't have to live in darkness anymore? We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great Sunday. Love you all. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.